Good day, poker peeps. This is Sky with Smart Poker Study, and I'm going to show you how to instantly play better poker without studying. How does that sound? I'm sure it sounds great. Let's do this. Gambate! I want you to visualize all those people that have been mean to you, and then I want you to attack. I want you to visualize and then attack. Can you handle that? I tried. What's the matter with you, boy? You too stupid. Stupid to do what your coach tells you? <laughs> no. No what? So a lot of players absolutely hate studying. If this sounds like you, then this video, this podcast is right up your alley. I'm going to give you five no study strategies. And they are number one, target the weak. Number two, seek and destroy. Number three, practice something, anything. Number four, bet when they check. And number five, have a reason behind every play. We're going to get into each of those right now with a few hand examples of each. So number one is to target the weak. When you first sit down at a table, heck, if you're playing live and you're just standing there observing the table waiting for your seat, it's your job to figure out who the weakest players are. And the reason why is because those weak players make a ton of mistakes. We profit off of their mistakes. Now, to help you find out who the weak are, here are some common characteristics of weak players. First, they don't buy in for a full stack. You'll see 30 or 40 big blind uh, buy-ins right there. They seem to play haphazard poker, kind of clueless poker, making weird bets, weird check raises, weird bet sizing. Maybe they limp a lot. Definitely a sign of a weak player. They call a lot. They just can't find a fold. They always defend their blinds, and they just can't fold draws. Like, you'll see a weak player uh, uh, flopping a gut shot like an undergut shot, right? A 7-8 uh, they, they hold a 7-8 on a Jack-10 XX board. They call big bets flop and turn only to try to hit that 9 on the river for an under straight, right? Um, another common characteristic, they whine about their results. They don't understand the ins and outs, the ups and downs of winning and losing poker just yet. So let's look at an example table, six max table right here. It's us and five. Maybe they're all targets. I'm not really sure yet. The first thing you need to do when you first sit down at the table, take a look around and assess what kind of players you're up against and figure out who the targets are. Even if you haven't played a single hand yet, remember what I said er, uh, earlier that not buying in for a full stack is a sign of weakness. Well, on this table, seat one has a 40 big blind stack, seat two, 77 big blinds, seat five, 70 big blinds. Potential fish in the making, those three players right there at the table. Another key thing, especially for us online players, is you want to see more passivity, so basically more calling and checking, than you see aggressive plays like betting, three betting, C betting, all that stuff. If we take a look at villain five, he's a 23 slash three player, VPIP and PFR. That gap between the two is 20%. That gap is made up of all the limps and all the pre-flop calls that they make. And that gap of 20%, it's bigger than the PFR of 3%. Absolutely a sign of a weak passive player. Also, this player raises first in zero, calls two bets 33% of the time. Absolute fish. And a great fish to target as well because look at that. He calls a ton pre-flop, but he folds on the flop 100%. You absolutely want to target these players as often as possible. 
We have some other fish at the table. Take a look at this player. Villain number three in seat three right here. 28 slash 9. So it's a 19% gap, way bigger than that 9% PFR, right? So we know he's a fish. He raises first in 16%. He calls two bets 28%. Yeah, totally more passive than he is aggressive. He only three bets 3% of the time. So it's pretty easy to avoid his three bets unless we hold a strong hand ourselves. And here's another great thing about a target like this. He folds on the flop 43% of the time versus C-bets, but he folds on the turn 100%. Awesome. We have such a great player. He doesn't really like to fold to steals either. So we're going to ISO raise when he's in the big blind. We're going to open. He's going to call. We're planning on double barrel bluffing most of the time against this player who is turn honest. Now, the four players I just mentioned, they're all fishy players due to everything I already said. There is one player at this table in seat number four who's an 18 slash 11. So he's kind of a tight but yet passive player. He's raising first in 19%, but he calls 15%. Those are pretty close, right? Tight passive player right here. But in general, tight players, it's really easy to get them to fold. He folds to steals 89%. He's folded to three bets 100% of the time. He's folded to flop C bets 100% of the time. Very easy to get him to fold by using maybe some big bets, but some well-timed aggression. And maybe because he's two to our right, we're going to have position quite a bit. What another great way to target this player with position bet uh, in order to steal pots from this player right here. So now that you know who the weakest players are at your table, remember you're looking at the table, assessing each opponent. You know who the weakest are. It's your job now to target them. But how do you do that? Well, here's a few examples. First, you raise their blinds with anything playable. Uh, And by anything playable, I mean that, well, you're trying to isolate them right? You're raising their blinds or when they limp in, you raise them as well. And so you want to use hands that you're happy seeing a flop with. Jack four offsuit, crappy. Jack eight suited. Oh, I can make that work against the right player. Queen six offsuit. Uh, not so much, but ace six offsuit. Yeah, I can play hands like that. And when you isolate these players in the blinds, when you're, you know, MP cutoff button open raising, you're getting bread and butter. Your head's up in position against them as the pre-flop raiser. Absolutely love those spots. Like I said already, isolation raise. So when they limp in, you're going to raise. Try to get them heads up to yourself. Give you bread and butter right there. Also, when they open raise, you're going to call in position so that you can use your position against them post-flop. When they check, you are going to bet. Also, you can three bet their open raises to play heads up in bigger pots. Because if you're targeting the right players who make mistakes, especially some good post-flop mistakes... Making mistakes in a two-bet pot, like on the flop, it's seven big blinds to the pot. That's good. They make mistakes. You can exploit that. But if they can make mistakes in a 20-big blind three-bet pot, that's even better right there. You're making even more money against these weak players. Now, in general, when you're targeting the weak, if they can't fold, you want to value bet the crap out of them. 60, 70, 80, 120% pot. Whatever you think they can pay you with worse hands, make those value bets. And if they can find a fold at any time, bet on their honest street. Like we talked about that player in seat five, or it might've been seat four. He's capable of folding on turns. That means when you get into a hand with him, you've got to plan on double barreling through to the turn because that's where he's displayed in the past, his uh, proclivity, his willingness to fold on that turn.
All right, strategy number two, the no study strategy number two, seek and destroy. A big part of strong, profitable poker is playing the player. You need to learn your opponent's tendencies and their weaknesses. But why is that? So you can exploit them, fool! First off, when I say seek and destroy, seek means to put yourself in a position to exploit your opponent after you've already understood their tendencies and their weaknesses, right? For example, that prior player, he folds on the turn. That means I need to get to the turn against him, preferably as a preflop raiser, so I can continue putting that pressure on the opponent. And of course, destroy means you pull the trigger on your exploit. When you get to the turn, he folds turn, you have to pull the trigger and make that bet. Absolutely uh, important right there. Let's go ahead and get to a couple of examples. The first one is an ace-10 suited hand. We're in the cutoff right here. Uh, under the gun, limps in. He's a 54-2. Absolute target player. I've already color-coded his HUD green. Love these kinds of players. I have ace-10 suited. The MP folds in the cutoff. I have ace-10. I raise to seven big blinds. The goal behind this, if everybody folds, great. I win 2.5 big blinds in this limped pot. But hopefully everybody else folds and I get this fishy McFishy all to myself. Uh, button, small blind, big blind, all fold. And then now the uh, 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 limper decides to call. That pot is huge, 15.5 big blinds. But I guarantee 54 slash 2 player does just a ton of calling and limping. He's going to make some post-flop mistakes. I'm hoping to, hoping to get into a spot where I can value bet on the flop. Now, the flop comes 4-10-7, all spades. He checks, but I know this kind of player. He doesn't like to fold on the flop. If he has any spade, he's going to call. Probably any pair, he's going to call at least one street. And I have top pair, top kicker. Ace-10 on the 10-7-4. So I bet eight big blinds, little over half pot. And he calls. Okay. The turn comes another 10, giving me trips. The board is 10, 10, 7, 4 with three spades. He checks again. 31.5 big blind pot. I decide to bet, hey, two-thirds pot, 21 big blinds. Trying to get value out of this guy. He can call me with a single spade for sure. If he has trip 10s, I probably have him beat with my ace 10. He could have king 10, queen 10, jack 10 here. I got him crushed. Hopefully he check raises me. But he just check calls. The pot goes to the river at 74 big blinds. The river comes a six of diamonds, so the flush doesn't get there. Um, kind of a week straight of five, eight, or three, five gets there. But that final board is 10, 10, 7, 6, 4 with three spades. He checks. Now, I'm always paying attention to stack sizes. The pot is 74 big blinds. He has 59. I have 59 behind. I just shove it in. I'm hoping he has just a random pair that he doesn't want to fold. I'm hoping he has a 10 that's weaker than mine, and he was just slow playing with his trip 10s, right? He ends up calling right there. We go all in. The full pot is 191 big blinds, and he ends up showing king seven of diamonds. So he called off an almost 100 big blind starting stack with just a king seven suited preflop hitting second pair um, on a monotone board. Wow. That's why you target these fish. When you hit the right hand against them, you're able to extract max value. Now I have another hand right here. It's a nine, eight suited hand. Me and the cutoff five players dealt into the hand under the gun. He's a 30 slash 25, very loose, aggressive player. Um, he ends up raising to 2.8 big blinds. Now look at this. He's folded to three bets. 88% of the time, seven 
out of eight opportunities. This dude loves raising and folding. Hey, I'm going to oblige him. I have nine eight suited in the cutoff. I'm going to make it nine big blinds. Hopefully, just to win this pot right now, take down a lovely uh, 4.2 big blind pot. And everybody folds, right? I could have called with my 8-9 suited, but why do that? This dude has shown me in the past that he loves folding after open raising. I am going to exploit it even with a 9-8 suited, which is absolutely um, a hand worthy of calling. But I love the three bet that I made right there. One more example hand of seeking and destroying, right? Putting myself in a spot to exploit my opponents. Um, uh, six, uh, this is a full ring table minus two, seven players dealt in. The first two players fold. 35 slash 13 player in the MP decides to open raise to 3.4 big blinds. Now I have ace six suited. Taking a look at this player right here. Um, I decide to call with my ace six suited. And the reason why it, this is often a three bet bluffing hand, um, against the right, against the right opponents, right? But look at this. So far, he has not folded to three bets 0% of the time, but he's also C bet honest. He's, he hasn't C bet at all either. So he has not shown the ability to fold to three bets. Why would I three bet bluff? But he has shown that he checks on the flop instead of C betting. Awesome. I'm in position. I got a suited ace. If he checks flop, I can bet to try to just make an easy bluff. Plus another thing, I'm looking around at the other players on the table. Not a lot of 3-bet bluffers. Actually, maybe only one potential 3-bet bluffer at a 3-bet of 6%. But really, I don't think my call is really risking a 3-bet squeeze from the remaining players. So I love the plan of calling here. Hopefully I hit something. But if I don't, I'm going to bet when he checks. We get three folds. We go to the flop. I am heads up in position with a 6 suited Queen, five, deuce with two spades is on the board. He checks. Sweet. This is the perfect time for me to come out, go with my plan. I'm pulling the trigger. I'm seeking to, well, I, I sought out the situation. Now I am destroying. I bet four big blinds into the 8.2 big blind pot, and he just folds. Sweet. I saw an exploit. I put myself in the spot to take advantage of it. Boom. Pulled the trigger. Earned a lovely little pot for that. All right, number three, strategy number three, the no study strategy is to practice something, anything. Here's the thing. Even if you don't like to study, there's a good chance you're watching this video right now, uh, maybe listening to the podcast, but um, you are probably into poker entertainment. Like maybe you watch poker videos for the entertainment value of them, right? Poker comment content is entertainment for you. As you're watching these things, sure, you're watching it for fun, but I'm sure occasionally you're going to come across a great strategy and you're going to think to yourself, oh, I should do that. When that thought crosses your mind, when a player or a coach or somebody in a video or a podcast says something that you know you should do, it's your job to now practice it. For example, let's imagine you're watching a video and you learn something very important. Aggression wins more pots, so bet more often when they check. That's a great strategy, right? You learn that just by watching a fun video, having an entertaining 20 minutes watching a video, but you realize I should do that more. So the next time you play, practice it as often as possible. You saw in that prior hand when I called with a six suited, that's what I did. I put myself in a position to bet when my opponent checked, right? So the next time you play, this doesn't require any study, just practice that thing that you learned as often as possible. 
So you want to look for every opportunity to bet when they check and then pull the trigger on it. Even when you're not involved in a hand, ask yourself, oh, would I bet here after they just now checked? Here's an example of that, right? So we are hero in the in the cutoff right here. We have 109 big blind stack. But here's what happened. The MP player decided to open raise. Us as hero, we just folded. We exited the hand. Doesn't matter what we had. The button folded. The small blind folded. The big blind player called right here. So it's a heads up pot. Um, seat five versus the big blind. Or I should I should say MP versus the big blind. The big blind decided to check. Now we're hero. We could just like pay attention to Twitter and check our email or watch ESPN or something, right? Or we could pay attention to what's going on and we can ask ourselves, okay, if I was the MP open raiser, the flop came down six, five deuce, big blind checked, would I bet right here now to try to steal it? And whatever your answer is, that's completely uh, situational player dependent stuff. But the fact that you're noodling on this when you're not even not even involved in the hand, you're actively practicing that strategy that you're trying to ingrain in your skill set and you will play better poker for every session just by doing that simple act. All right, strategy number 4 and we kind of discussed this already, it's to bet when they check. Now, in general, checking is weakness. So you should bet if you can get value or earn the pot from your opponent. Now, this is often when you're c-betting in position. Situation we just saw, the MP raised, the big blind called, boom, he checked, you make the c-bet right there. Another common spot to bet when they check is when you float the flop or turn. That means the c-better checks to you. You had called in position, like that prior ace-six suited hand when I called in the cutoff. There's another betting when they check, and that's called a probe. You can probe the turn or river when you're out of position, and the c-better checks behind you. So you checked on the flop, he checked behind you, and then now, boom, his check equaled weakness. If he had a top pair, if he flopped a set, wouldn't he try to get some value out of you? One or two big blinds, half pot or something? Normally, they do, right? So that uh, their check is your opportunity to now bluff on the turn. Let me show you something. I went through my results in Poker Tracker 4. I filter for just the opportunity to bet on the flop. I had 16,777 hands, just the opportunity to bet. That's a C bet, that's a float bet, uh, any and just any kind of bet, donk bet, whatever, right? 16,777 hands or opportunities to bet. My win rate in those opportunities was positive 105 big blinds per 100 hands. Now, when I made the bet, it was 40% of the time at 6,685 hands. But my win rate when I made the bet was positive 296. Awesome. But my win rate when I did not make the bet was negative 22 big blinds per 100 hands. I made the bet 40% of the time. I did not bet 60% of the time. These results right here, crazy difference between betting and not betting with the opportunity. That tells me that even though I'm betting 40% of the time, I need to bet more. I need to be betting 45, 50, 55% of the time because I'm making so much more money when I'm betting than not betting. And your database probably will show the same thing. Let's take a look at a hand right here. Uh, Jack 10 suited. So I'm on the button with Jack 10 suited. Under the gun folds. 
the MP player open raises to three big blinds. He's a 36 slash 12 player. C-bet's 100%, but he's folded versus C-bet's 100% right here. It's a small sample of just 25 hands, but he raised, cut off folds, and I decide to call with my Jack-10 suited. Absolutely a playable hand, but the reason I'm calling is because I want to play against this 36 slash 12 fishy player. I want position against this player, right? The small blind and big blind both fold, so we're heads up, 7.5 big blind pot, and the flop comes down 9, 4, 5 with two spades, so I actually have two overcards plus the flush draw right now. He checks. There's all the reason in the world to bet right now. I bet four big blinds into the 7.5 big blind pot, and he decides to call. Interesting, I think, on a 9-4-5. And I'm always thinking about stuff like this, right? A 36-12 player, well, it's very possible he's going to continue with any overcard hand. Ace-10, king-queen. Ace-3 could continue right now with the gut shot, right? With one overcard. King-7 suited might even continue right now. So much stuff in his range that did not hit anything, but he's calling for one more street. He wants to see maybe if I check the turn, then he can come out firing the river, right? Maybe he's thinking about betting when I check, but no, 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 buddy. The turn comes a five, making the board nine, five, five, four with two spades. I did not hit my flush draw. He checks and I say, no, man, I'm going to bet again right now. I'm betting you check twice. I'm betting. I'm trying to tell you I have a great hand. I went from slightly over half pot to now roughly two-thirds pot. I bet 10 into 15.5 big blinds. And boom, he folds and awards me the pot. Betting when they check is such a valuable play. Without even any studying, you could start doing that one tonight. Okay, strategy number five. The no-study strategy for better poker. Have a reason behind every play that you make. So here's an important thing. Beginning players, they have a basic kind of thought process when they're thinking about hands. They think things like, oh, I have ace-five suited. I have to call preflop. I have a flush draw on the flop. I have to call. I don't care that he bet two times pot. I got a flush draw, right? Or I have second pair on the flop. Oh, he bet he could be bluffing. I got a call right there. That's beginner thinking when you only think about your hand strength and you don't have any other reason behind the plays that you make. You got to think to yourself, what do you want them to do? And can they do it? Whether you're calling, whether you're going to raise, whether you're going to bet, whether you're checking to induce something from them, have a reason behind every single play. Let's do some examples right here. When you're going to open the pot, you want to open with more than just, oh, I have ace five suited. I got to open raise, right? No, no, no. Your open raise is intended to do something. Maybe you want to steal the pot so you know your opponents can fold. Maybe you want to iso raise the big blind or isolate the big blind. So you raise in the cutoff, you know the button and the small blind. They're not likely to three bet. So you're going to get that big blind um, all to yourself heads up. Or maybe you've got a really strong hand and there's a loose aggressive player in the small blind. You want to raise now to a specific size to try to induce that loose aggressive player to three bet, right? You're not just playing your hand. You're thinking about the opponent's left act, making plays specifically to get what you want out of them. Maybe you're thinking about calling with pocket threes, right? Your goal, I mean, of course, you want to hit a set and then get value, but you also know this opponent. You know that you can bet when they check and they're likely to fold post-flop in case you miss your set. Maybe you're thinking about three betting with ace-five suited. 
You obviously want them to fold, so you want to see a history of folding. Maybe you want to see that they folded three bits in the past. Maybe you want to know that they're capable of raising a big range. Maybe you're in position and you know they hate playing out of position, so they're more likely to fold. Maybe you're thinking about c-betting, right? You have to have a reason behind your c-bet. Your c-bets are always for value or as a bluff. You've got to consider their range. Can they fold their range right here? Can they give me value with weaker hands from their range? Before you make that c-bet, know why you're doing it. And then maybe, you know, you're considering a river raise. Can you get value from weaker hands? Does he have weaker hands to actually give you value if you raise against him right now? I don't know. That's up to you in the moment. But here is the key thing. To help you have a reason behind every single play, I want you to complete this sentence with every bet, every call, every raise that you make from now on. I'm making the play because of this reason. Here's an example. I'm betting because he can fold over cards in non-pairs. What a simple thing, right? You're saying exactly what you're doing because you're thinking more about your opponent. You realize what his range is. You know he can get rid of some of those cards. All right, before we get to your action step for today, please give this video a thumbs up. I would appreciate that. Now, this video is all about strategies you can use without studying. But if you want to become a better studier, uh, there is a very easy way to study my one-hour poker study workbook. It's an 18-page PDF with guides and forms to help you plan your studies, stay focused, and avoid overwhelm. Plus, there's some video and download bonuses. You can get the one-hour poker study workbook by going to smartpokerstudy.com slash workbook. And I got to thank these awesome poker peeps who recently went and purchased it. Werner, Tyler, Alex, Trevor, Brian, Christian, Joe, Dale, Renee, Greg, Andre, Jerry, Kevin, Luke, and Patrick. Thank you all so very much. You went to smartpokerstudy.com slash workbook, checked it out for yourself, decided to get it, and now you are on your way to better studies. Now for your action step, I want you to pick one and play with purpose. I mean, I gave you five strategies. Number one, again, was target the weak. Number two, seek and destroy. Number three, practice something, anything. Number four, bet when they check. And number five, have a reason behind every play that you make. Thank you so much for watching. Thank you for listening to the podcast, and I'll see you in the next one.